FR BostonFreeRadio.com We have so much coming your way, but what I'd like to remind you is that we rely on your support. We rely on you listening to us. We rely on your shares. We rely on your word of mouth, but most importantly, we also rely on your support for building up the podcast to what it should be, which is we are a live radio show, but we're also looking to do live shows, live shows in your hometown, in your area, and we'd love to see you. Yes, we can do that, and we need your help to do so. Visit patreon.com slash gshamlin, and you can learn more about our efforts to raise some money to make Wildcast even bigger. And we can't do it without your help, and we hope to see you there. Stay tuned. Yeah, so I am a huge fan of the original Carpenter Halloween and I was actually a big fan of what Carpenter wanted to do, where he didn't have like Michael Myers be the sole, you know, focus. It was going to change stories. But oh, yeah, like Halloween Three, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I'm a, I really, I am excited about the new one. I've got, I've seen mixed reviews, but I really like Danny McBride, and I've seen some of the stuff that he's like into horror wise. And then I, I just, I don't know, I'm excited about it. I definitely want to go see that. Um, something else new that's coming out horror related. Netflix just released like a, a horror show, haunt, like haunting on what is it? It's something about some haunting, the haunting of Hill House. It was a novel by Shirley Jackson. And yeah. I saw a few episodes and I'm hooked, and uh, it's great. oh good, okay. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend it um, because I'm a big fan of this show called the No Sleep Podcast, and some of the writers, oh, okay. some of the writers were originally from there, so there was like a mutual camaraderie like they plugged the show and then when i checked it out it was really good i highly recommend that definitely oh good good yeah i definitely wanted to start that um i mean i watched i'm trying to think of some other stuff i just watched uh that nicholas cage mandy movie i was a big fan of beyond the black rainbow so it was i was I kind of was into what the director was going to do and that one totally blew me away even oh. though it's not new yeah but anytime um, but anytime we can plug nick cage I, you know <laughs> it's a good day. yeah and then I did, like, I watched Hereditary, too, kind of late to the game. But, man, I was disappointed. The last, like, 20 minutes were incredible. But, like, it wasn't the two, in, like, almost two hours I had to wait to get to where the end was going. I just didn't, it just kind of didn't do it for me. Respectfully disagree. I, I get what you're saying, though. And I appreciate your insight. I greatly appreciate that you brought up Hereditary. So um, what elements worked for you in that movie? And for me, I mean, I definitely liked, I, I kind of, I I do agree with you that the family dynamic was kind of just as scary as what ended up happening, have like at the end happening. Um, Cause it really is just like the idea of the mother, like how she was to her son, I thought was really kind of real, like almost too real to life and scary. Like that, that to me was kind of disturbing. And then I, I just thought I'm always happy when movies, especially movies that tend to go in that like supernatural direction, I hate when it gets like when it's a cop out at the end of like somebody had a dream or it was a 
this or that. Like I, I was really stoked that it ended the way it did. I don't know if we want to spoiler uh, alert it or anything, but oh, um, spoiler alert! Lo- spoiler alert! Go away! Spoiler yeah, alert! I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty old. People should have watched it by now. But yeah, for them being like a like a satanic or whatever, uh, like call, I I loved it. I thought that was super cool. And like I said, like that last 20 minutes were great and i was really really i really liked where it went but for some reason the first half of it i just other than the charlie scene which was i've I'm, i've been to horror for so long like kind of stuff like that doesn't really phase me <laughs> anymore yeah but like at the same time i, I it, it it felt like it was moving kind of slow and i think what my my biggest annoyment was for the whole thing was when the mother met with that main witch of the coven or whatever, and how easily she was convinced that like ghosts can talk to her. You know what I mean? Or like how easily she convinced her, like all that stuff was real. Cause it didn't, she didn't seem to be the type of person that would believe that kind of stuff from the beginning, I guess she seemed to push away from stuff like that. And then when she was just kind of easily convinced that like, oh, this is going to work, even though like, I guess she was, she saw things there or whatever. But for me, like I'm, I'm such a skeptic myself. I was like, man, you really bought into that pretty quick. So, so now I want to delve into a little bit of Zayo, if you don't mind. Sure. So, uh, God, I, I've been listening to Zayo since I can remember. I was handed, okay. I was handed Parade of Chaos. And wow. uh, I know it was, and, and it was such a, for, for many um, Zayo fans, for many listeners who don't understand what that would mean, um, that's like a very uh, later album, and it was, it's a very mm-hmm. experimental album, and to have entered listening to that album as an introduction to Zayo for a great many number of Zayo fans would appear to be uh, poorly representative, but I, it, it was enough <laughs> to really like chop my teeth into like you know, what Zayo was about. I kind of liked the experimental aspect of it but then I went when I did a deep dive I got to really appreciate the uh the rich history of of the band it's uh, uh, ups and downs um you know rotation of members um themes mm-hmm. uh you know ideology there's so there's so much rich history is there I would just greatly recommend that uh there's a documentary out there um I would um I'll, I'll uh, leave a pl- I'll uh, leave a link for my listeners who would like to do a deeper dive uh wherever I can find it but I would recommend buying it uh wherever you can get it uh but primarily what I really enjoy as a fan is the dynamic of the lyricism the the, the deep mm-hmm. deep dive into uh the horrific that although there is you know depending on the the timeline there has you know there's like an underpinning of like christianity and themes but it wasn't really fully present but it was undergirding the it was like the scaffolding of a lot of the darkness uh mm-hmm. how you know how has zeo really looked back at those lyrics in terms of some continuity is there any continuity or is there like that artistic license to just move on and treat each to treat each individual album each different tour as a you know as a continuation of these themes but not held captive by previous themes yeah i honestly i think like the one main aspect to like what dan has always written about was just like very personal struggles and personal journeys so even though like the band's definitely not like a religious band at all or a Christian band at all. Like most of us aren't even Christians anymore. But what was cool about that is I think that 
were very honest with where our journeys were. So like there was a certain time where, you know, everybody in life goes through some pretty horrific things and everybody's always looking for an answer or something to get you through those horrific things. And sometimes certain like things like religion can definitely help through a lot of that horrible stuff. Um, and when you're a young guy, I mean, that was some of those records were written when Dan was like 19, 20, 21. Um, and just all of us were pretty young when we were in there. So there's some, some answers that you think you get that as you get older, you recognize might not be correct. And then some of them, I, like some answers you get, you kind of hold through your whole life. You know what I mean? Um, so for us, like as a band, it's always been this search for like answers and search for, for our own personal truths. And I think that's still like kind of holds strong. And I mean, Dan's always written lyrics about different things too. So, I mean, even early, early on in the career, we had a song about a porn star that got into a car accident and committed suicide because she didn't feel she was beautiful wait, anymore. Oh, wait, wait. So, so for my listeners, that song is Savannah off of their album, Te Labrate Ex Inferis, which is a subtle mm-hmm. reference to the movie Event Horizon. For for my listeners, yeah. uh, if you're into hip-hop, a lot of my listeners are hip-hop listeners, and sometimes we do like a, a horrorcore episode. If you're a hip-hop listener and you want to do a deep dive into some dark metal with some horror movie themes, by all means, dive into that album. That's my favorite album and it's one of the best albums and one of the most representative albums of what Zayo is capable of in terms of their storytelling, their lyricism and musical experimentation guitar based experimentation Mm. but all the more satisfying themes have remained in your mind and uh, where do you see Zayo going in terms of sound and theme? I think the main theme and even back then for Dan like the main theme was like you just always have to have hope so you know a lot of people unfortunately they, they find hope in like you know what hope can be take a form of anything so like regardless of how dark things get or how horrible things can be, there's you always got to have hope that things can get better. And I think we're always going to be those type of people. We're, I definitely think we're more like all of us love the darkest of the darkest stuff in life. And like, I love horror and I love horror movies and I love the worst stuff. But, but as a person, like I'm always striving that there's better, you know, like there's going to be a, something better out there or something that can help you. I mean, even like you kind of got into the band Pray to Chaos. So we actually, I mean, this was like 90 or I'm sorry, 2003. And Dan really got touched by the story of the West Memphis Three. That's why he wrote a song about that. I mean, I don't think anybody thought those guys were ever going to really get, I mean, I they still really didn't get justice, but we didn't even think they'd ever get out. Just that whole system is down there. And look, those guys ended up getting out of jail. There's always, there should always feel like hope. You should never give up on that. I think that's the one thing Zayo's always been really strong about. Like, as bad as it can be, you either have your family, your friends, or there's something, even if it's just metal or or hip hop. All of us are hip hop fans too, so it's totally cool. Like we listen to a lot of that stuff in our while we're traveling around too. That's gonna be an amazing uh, supplemental episode, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, think about it, dude. Like metal, like the style of music we play. That whole breakdown thing that happens like in hip hop just as much as it happens anywhere else. I mean, that like certainly, certainly. that bass drop stuff. I mean, all that stuff. It kind of gives you the same feeling. Um, so. Yeah, we're we're all fans of just tons of different types of music. I mean, so, it shows. Uh, it definitely yeah. shows. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, I have to ask this, and I don't know sure. every Zayo fan always asks this. I, I imagine why, if I remember Zayo, I would hate to be asked this. And, that's, and so I'm gonna just no, be no, a selfish Zayo fan. Uh, where's Jesse at, and what's he been up to? Well, actually, we are as a, as like a like friend dynamic goes, like probably better than we've ever been with Jesse. I actually talk to Jesse pretty regularly now. Um, he is still doing music. I mean, he did, he was doing a band with his own kind of name for a little bit called Jesse Smith and the Holy ghost. It's more just like a kind of more of like a rock band with some like stoner influence in it. It's really cool, but he was doing that for a really long time. I know he's doing something now he's recording for, but I don't know if it's going to be for that or if it's like his own solo thing. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's still, you know, trucking around music, doing it, uh, but living life. And yeah, like I said, man, we're like actually closer to him than we've been. We've played, uh, we actually played a show with his band last year. Um, he's come up to Pittsburgh to hang out with us when we were playing in Pittsburgh, come to the shows. I mean, it's really actually kind of like a nice circle of life, man. So that's the, I, I, I'm so happy to hear that because for my listeners who yep. aren't Zayo fans per se, but they're curious about what this growth has amounted to. Uh, there's that documentary that uh, you could watch and that I would link to uh, the lesser lights it's of heaven. From, and, and that's yep. a name that their song from the album funeral of God, which was uh, yep. Yep. A, a good return uh, to form for Zayo, but it was very wide reaching. Cool. I love that album. Uh, and what's so funny is that, um, for like a meaningful arc in my, you know, in my uh, um, teenage narrative, when I used to wear mm-hmm. a lot of Zayo like merch, and then no okay. one, no one was really privy to Zayo, but then Funeral of God nope. was released, yeah. and then uh, it, they started listening to it, and then they a lot of my classmates who had previously were like, oh, what the hell's with that shirt? They <laughs> were then won over by Funeral of God, and then some of them went as far as to like even like. Uh, full-on steal like my copy of the lesser lights of heaven the dvd and it's circulated amongst like uh, a bunch of my high school friends but i greatly enjoy the fact that uh there was for a great many number of my classmates there was a deep dive into your mm-hmm. story and for many people there was some i wanted some minor discord it was just you know uh, artistic disagreements because the creative mm-hmm. polls are very stubborn things and when you're like having a lot mm-hmm. at stake and also I don't know for my listeners who are listening to this. We we we're confident that whatever it is that you do on the other end of the of the of the uh, headphone, that you are working really hard and you're exhausted. You're you're exhausted. But to be a musician, to be a creative, to be a broadcaster, to uh, tour is is a very exhausting job. So I can imagine that you know when you look into this documentary, you're going to see exhausted artists uh, collaborating together. With the ups and downs of uh, alcoholism, um, capital not being secured for album releases, it's it, it's a, it's an it's an amazing documentary, and I uh, I ask you to watch it. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? I mean, like uh, in terms of Halloween selections, you know, you like how I brought that around. Mm-hmm. In terms of other Halloween selections, what can we look forward <laughs> to? Well, I, are you guys? Did you watch the trailer for the Pet Cemetery remake? I I did, and I'm uh, I'm excited uh, because you know I have a girlfriend from Maine, and lately she's been enjoying oh, these nice. Stephen King deep dives because you know she's just because oh, okay. you know, she's curious. She was drawn in by The Shining, mm-hmm. which she thought was a very good movie. Yep. Um, so I'm um, I'm enjoying that. Which is weird, isn't it? Weird that he hates this. It's it's always been crazy to me that like Kubrick kind of totally took that movie over, and Stephen King hates that movie, which is. I, th- I mean, it's crazy to me. And I understand, like, 
because if you read the book and you read them and you watch the movie, there's a pretty big difference in like his character of Jack. So I, I understand, but at the same time, I think they both kind of hold their own in a way. So I don't almost certainly this. Yeah. Like I don't just like hate either one. I kind of like both versions of it, but um, yeah, Stephen, like I, his, I would probably have to say my favorite, the movie that affected me the most from him. Well, not from him, but from one of his books, uh, Carrie messed me up. There's, I don't, for some reason that movie, man, I, every, when I watched it, I think I watched it when I was pretty young and that whole like scene in the, the gym just messed me up. <laughs> I mean, but that was a really compelling movie. And also that was like, Oh, that's what incredible. Broke, and, and, and also that's what broke him into, uh, being yeah, a starving part. artist to being yep. uh, a middle class artist to then being able to then eventually propel him into like you know the stardom that he has in the literary world the literary world and by stardom yep. I mean like yep. mixed reviews but they sell well uh, yeah, it's kind of cool too like I think that's the one thing that's neat about our band is like we've never really reached the pinnacle where we were like actually like okay like really well off or any like or famous or anything we're one of those bands that kind of just do our thing and stay where we are but it's sad because a lot of bands in our stature like struggle so much and you and most people when they think of like a like an entertainer the only way like you've actually become something is if you're like that like a stephen king that like struggle 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 then he hit it big and now he's okay but like there's so many writers and so many musicians and so many like filmmakers that are that never get their like they never break but they just keep doing it and it's sad that people like that don't get looked at as as forefronts to like what's going on because a lot of those people are the people that break down the doors for the big guys to kind of like do their thing you know and this is why i uh support patreon this is why i like push some art i mean i know that's like a really hard thing to do because it's so like bare bones public mm-hmm. i like it, th- there's something that a lot of artists fear which is being perceived as like really selfish saying that i want your money to support my art but ultimately yeah. that's what you need to do to act, to really sustain the work that you're doing and like because it's like it's a lot of work for for uh being able to tour to really provide the content regularly it's it, it's like yep. a lot of work and it's something that like you can get to like critical heights and commercial heights but at the same time you have to sustain that regardless and that's where life kicks in you know it's very busy and it's ultimately just mm-hmm. it, you know i wouldn't have it any other way but at the same time it is exhausting and it is like a little bit treacherous In terms of critical, yep. in terms of critical heights, uh, you've worked with Steve Albini, uh, an audio yeah. engineer mm-hmm. who has been responsible for many works. I'll let you dive into his accolades, but like, what was it like working with Steve Albini? Well, I mean, being fans of his from prior records, like the records he did with Jesus Lizard, Pixies. I mean, there's so many things. He's probably best known, obviously, for the uh, last full-length Nirvana record in Utero, um, but. I mean, he's done a ton of different records that all of us really like, including newer ones too. Like Neurosis is one of our all like collective favorite bands, and he's done like the last few of their records. Um, but he has he sort of supposedly had a uh, like a reputation or whatever of being a certain type of person, but we didn't notice that. I think really what ends up happening is people will go to people expecting certain things, and if you're not ready and you're not willing to work, like the 
like those people are going to kind of shit on you. <laughs> they're not going to be, I mean, they're not going to be like super easy to deal with. Like we went in there knowing what we wanted to do. And I mean, this is as a musician too. I just know how this works, you know, producers or, or engineers or anything like that. I mean, they want to, they want to get, they want to do the best they can for you, but you, you have to be ready. You have to, you have to work just as hard as anybody to get in there and make sure you're doing the right stuff. So we were really ready to work and we worked really hard prior to getting to Steve and our relationship was incredible. He was awesome. It was one of the best experiences we've had recording a record. Um, we were, we were just, I mean, it was really cool because obviously you go in there and it's Steve Albini and it's sort of, you know, you're taken aback. Like I'm actually doing a record with him. And literally the first like two hours we were with him, he's just like us. He's just a dude that got to do cool stuff. I mean, that guy did a record with like Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. So, I mean, he's done crazy things. And we're, and he, and not only that, is he, he has like a whole style, his own thing that we all were really into. So, it was very, uh, like, you know, kind of holy cow with Steve Albini, but once you're there and you're working, just like any creative person, I mean, you kind of just get into the whole groove of it, and, and we ended up being really good friends afterwards. I mean, he's awesome. I, we I, There's really nothing I could say. He was just, it was a great experience. Yeah, I, I love hearing that, because I'm, I'm a big fan of just his commitment to just being an audio mm-hmm. engineer. And the way yeah, he, he yep. his, the way he composes himself, like uh, he's like this like this dapper gentleman audio engineer, and he takes it very seriously. And he's like, I don't know, man. I lo- I just like his swagger. I I when I was a kid, yeah. when I was a kid, watching, I'm like, damn, I want to be that. I want to have that level yeah. of swagger. I want to be so. I wanted to be like a dirty engineer, like audio engineer. I wanted to just be mm. able to just. Un- be that un- unapologetic like no this is what i do i i make sure shit sounds right <laughs> and yeah and just be just owning that <laughs> like no yeah the way i make bank is i make sure shit sounds right and yeah. i and he I, and he's that guy and i and i and i and i yeah. fully respect him on that yep yeah it's awesome too because he wears like it, it kind of was this sort of funny thing, but not really when you think about it, but like he has this, like uh, his studio is called electrical audio and they're in Chicago and anybody can record with them. You know, you literally just have to book the time. So, um, but he has these like work suits that he has on and you can see if you watch, go see pictures of him in the studio or watch videos of him recording, you'll see it on. And everybody was always asking us like, Does he take that off. It's weird. And then like, yeah, he takes it off. But dude, think about it he's at work so when he's at work he's wearing his work uniform and then when he goes and does his other stuff in the end of the day like that he takes that off so i like there's just like there's kind of he's one of those type of people that have specific things that he does when he does what he does and regardless of what people think he knows you know what steve albini knows and what he does is exactly what what you're going to get if you go there and if you like what he does then you're going to love what you get out of it. If you don't get it, then don't go there, you know? <laughs> but, but yeah, like, especially with his whole thing. I, yeah, I like, I liked his whole thing. Cause I, I'm a big fan of recording and, and engineering and, and, and just sound and doing all that kind of work. Um, even like to the, like, I'm a big movie guy. So I'm kind of stoked that you brought up the horror stuff, but like, I'm a big fan of like figuring out how 
um, sound engineers do like the different sounds, even as dumb as like walking down the street, like that, they're not, you're not the dude walking down the street. You're not recording him walking down the street. There's a guy in a sound studio doing that. So it sounds right. Um, so all that stuff, I love it. And it's really cool to see people like, like Albini in their, in their environment doing their thing. I just appreciate any artist that can really create an ecosystem that sustains their work. Yep. And I, you know, Steve yep. Albini is an artist himself. He is an audio yep. engineer primarily. And, you know, when I was in high school, I remember he would have, uh, you know, the, uh, the studio that he has has a website and there was a forum. There's a forum where people would just chime in on stuff and, you know, whether it be mm-hmm. audio related or even just like, you know, miscellaneous. What was so funny is that I remember the first time the first time I heard like bro to things, I think I was like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what, what it was, but like it was on that forum. Like I, I, I like I was, a, I learned some of my initial humor. Like it was the uh, man without fear forum for, you know, for daredevil. Oh that was yeah. Okay. Way, that was way back. And, and it was that forum. So those are like my two forums. I enjoyed perusing when I was in high school. Uh, and what wow. I love so much, I know, and what I love so much was just like how hilarious everyone was, but also just the fact that there was a world out there where you could do your, you could really just work and, you know, in audio engineering, you can just sustain yourself, but it's a lot of hard work and it comes at an expense, but mm-hmm. I believe it's an expense worth paying, especially if you get to just be creative and own your work. And yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So, um, so could you, uh, are, you know, we are a cyberspace podcast. Are, are you, are there any, uh, websites or there any videos that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Like what is Scott Mellinger of Zayo watching now? What am I watching now? Well, I'm actually, let's see. I mean, I am a podcast fan and I, I've kind of, I do the, the pretty normal ones too like um the ones that are there's like a the last podcast on the left is a pretty cool horror one i've listened to lore which i think they're doing a tv show now i think amazon does like a show for it now but it started out as a podcast oh i love lore so much yeah oh it's it's super good um and i love all the music ones there's like uh trap set for like that's uh i think joe wong the drummer uh he talks to other drummers and then there's a bunch of tons of friends of mine that do podcasts now that we've actually either been on or I just listen to. Um, so I'm always like checking in on my friends' podcasts all the time. Uh, show why I'm watching big mouth on Netflix right now. It's incredible. If people haven't watched that cartoon. They're out of, you got to watch it. It's so funny. Um, I've been watching that. Uh, and I'm like kind of politically kind of minded. So I, I go on and watch a lot of YouTube like young Turks and all this kind of stuff. Like I, uh, I kind of follow along with that stuff too, just because of trying to stay up on the horrible things that are happening. If you really want a horror movie, just watch what's going on in politics right now. Most <laughs> certainly, That's more terrifying so, than anything I've ever seen on a movie. So are you in Pittsburgh or are you in West Virginia? I'm actually in Pittsburgh and the band of like total, like it started in 93 or whatever yeah. in West Virginia. Uh, but we've been a Pittsburgh-based band probably since about two, 1999, 2000. You know, I would love to have you, you know, some more members of Zayo come on the show. I would love to have you sure. come again anytime. I'd like to thank my guest, uh, Scott Mellinger, uh, guitarist and uh, part-time vocalist, um, melodist, 
of mm-hmm. Zeo. Uh, I'm so happy to have you here. I'm a big fan, but most importantly, uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, oh, no, my pleasure, man. We're, we're happy to talk to anybody that will have us. So thank you for having, having me on. This episode was recorded at Boston Free Radio at the Somerville Media Center at Union Square. If you'd like to hear the hip-hop music that we're playing on our program, tune in on Boston Free Radio, Saturdays from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. You can listen to the music live on Boston Free Radio. If you are unable to do so, don't fret. We have our Spotify playlist shown early on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash GSHamlin for your Guaucast needs. Come on in and check out our Patreon. <laughs>